Welcome to the Asbury First United Methodist Church Weekly Sermon. We hope you enjoyed this message by Stephen Cady. For more information about this podcast or other ways to connect, please visit asburyfirst.org. Have you ever had one of those days? You know, the kind when it feels like no matter what you do, you just can't seem to make the right decision. Or you try your best to make the right choice, to do the right thing, but regardless, it just seems to turn out wrong. And the thing is, the more you roll along, the more it feels sort of inevitable, like you couldn't get off that caravan even if you wanted. Maybe some of us are there this morning. If that has ever been you, if that, heaven forbid, happens to be you this morning, take comfort in this. At least it wasn't written down in the best-selling book of all time and shared for thousands of years with all the world. (laughs) Trust me, that's no fun. Look, I'm not trying to excuse my behavior, not on that day or any other. I should never have let the anger get the better of me. I should have stopped the moment everybody picked up those stones, but... But at least before you judge, try and walk for a moment in my sandals. After all, we had been slaves. It's not like any of us had had it easy. We had been slaves, that is, commodities. Our bodies turned into mere possessions, things. And if anything ever happened to us, there was always another slave to just take our place, another Israelite to just step in. Can you imagine what that does to the soul? We all dealt with it in our own ways, but let's be honest, it wasn't easy for any of us. My family was in mortar. My father had mixed mortar, my grandfather had mixed mortar, my great-grandfather had mixed mortar, said to have learned it from Dan himself, which meant that anything that old Ramses wanted to build, it was our family that was there mixing and mixing and mixing. We even built the old supply house in Pithom, not that anybody really remembers that anymore. As a kid, of course, I was so proud. Every time I saw a structure, I thought, that wouldn't be standing if it weren't for my family. I was seven when old Ramses issued his edict. Guess he felt that the Israelites were growing too strong, so he ordered a purge. That is, he wanted to weaken us, and so he ordered that every boy born to an Israelite was to be killed, that is, thrown into the river, straight into the Nile. Every baby boy. Sure, a few escaped, one we all know about. But he was the exception and not the rule. Most were killed, including including my brother. My parents were so anxious when my mother was pregnant. 
They kept praying for a girl, but I was a kid. I didn't understand. I wanted a brother. I didn't want a baby sister. I wanted a baby brother. And so selfishly, shamefully, I began to pray the whole time, the whole pregnancy for a boy. I didn't know any better. Nobody should have to hear their mother wail. That was the first time I cursed God. I didn't understand how God could be so cruel to give me what I had been praying for and then take it away in almost the same breath. I didn't even get a chance to know him. I didn't understand how God could watch us and my people suffer and do nothing and just sit there. It was a moment that changed me. Gone were the days of that proud child ready to take on the day's task. No, he was replaced by an angry young man who would react at just the slightest perception of a slight. I answered every question with my fists. I got lost track of how many people I hurt in figurative or literally in that time, but it was enough to isolate me. That's one of those cruel ironies of life, isn't it? It is often in those moments when we need people near us the most that we are pushing them away. Truth be told, it was one in, in one of those fisticuff moments that I first met him. I knew who he was, of course. Everybody knew who he was. How could you miss him? The Israelite, the Hebrew, living in Pharaoh's palace. But unlike everyone else, I couldn't stand him. He was the same age as my brother. And I just, I couldn't wrap my head around how Moses could survive and be given a position of privilege and power living in the palace while my brother was just... The day before I met him, he had broken up a fight. Moses had stepped in when an Egyptian was beating an Israelite and even killed the Egyptian in the process. Everybody was whispering about it. Everyone was talking about what happened. They were saying, well, maybe we do have a friend in high places. Maybe there's a chance for us. Maybe this is the one who will set us free, but I didn't want to hear any of it. So when the eighth person that day told me how great Moses was, I responded as I had grown used to with my fist. Only he hit me back and I hit him again and pretty soon we were in an all-out brawl. Not my proudest moment. Next thing I know, there was Moses himself pulling us apart and asking, why are you fighting? Determined not to show him a single ounce of deference, I responded immediately and without thinking, though I knew, if I'm really honest, what I was doing. I shouted, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you going to kill us like you did that Egyptian? The look on Moses' face was enough to stop me in my tracks. I knew right away I shouldn't have said it. I knew what I had done. I knew it was beyond the pale. I, I shouldn't have said it, but you can't unring a bell. 
The guards immediately ran for Pharaoh, which meant that Moses had no choice but to flee. I thought I was isolated before. They hated me. They couldn't stand to look at me. Even the people who had tried to get close, I just pushed away. I just kept to myself. I stopped answering with my fists. I stopped answering at all. I just kept to myself, and things just kept getting harder day by day, year by year. We thought it would be easier when the new pharaoh came into town, when the new pharaoh came into, into power, but it turns out he was even crueler than his father. And day after day, mixing and mixing and mixing, feeling that lash on my back, all I could think about is if I had just kept my big mouth shut. And year after year after year, it got worse. And then Moses returned. I didn't believe it at first. No one really believed it at first. But Aaron went and met with him and even went with him as he went to meet with Pharaoh as Moses demanded that Pharaoh let his people go, that he let the Israelites go. He demanded in the name of God Those next few months were a blur. It felt like one day we were toiling day by day by day, mixing, 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 and the next day, we were free on the other side of the Reed Sea. I'll admit, even I began to think that maybe there was something special about Moses at that point. I began to give him a sort of begrudging respect He'd gotten us out of slavery and was taking us to the promised land. Only from the very beginning, the journey turned out a lot to be a lot harder than we originally thought. Looking back, it makes sense. Here we had thousands of people that were trying to travel by caravan. It's not like we had planned out a route or had time to pack our stuff. No, when the time came, we just grabbed what we could and went. The first challenge was at the Wilderness of Shur, when we got there, of course, we were thirsty. We'd run out of our water, and there was plenty there, but it was all bitter, so bitter no one could even drink it. So we began to grumble, everyone began to grumble, and Moses somehow knew to take some pieces of wood and put it in the water, and the water became much sweeter, of course. Then people thought some it was too sweet, which is just the nature of people. The next stop was in Elam. If I'm honest, I would have stayed there for longer than we could have. But we had to keep going, finding our way step by step by step. And then we entered the wilderness of sin, which of course sounds a lot more ominous than it actually was. 
Far from being a playground of debauchery, the wilderness of sin was just named after the region of Sinai. Sin, Sinai, I didn't name it. That's what it was. But it was there that we ran out of food two months in. and We didn't have anything to eat. I've since heard the term hangry means being both hungry and angry. And let me tell you, I experienced it firsthand. Sure, we had been hungry before, even when we were slaves, but there was always something to eat at the end of the day, always something that we could get. But here, here we had run out of all food and we were hangry, yelling at Moses, asking for something. Of course, Moses again prayed and the Lord provided. We found manna from heaven. That is, we found something to eat even in the wilderness. But it was there in that place in the wilderness of sin that I first noticed the first inkling of people's relationship to me beginning to shift. Maybe because I had been the one known for hating Moses when people wanted someone to stand in solidarity with them complaining about Moses, they came to find me. I should have told them the truth, that I was beginning to see that it wasn't Moses' fault, that my brother wasn't alive, that it was a part of this oppressive system we were living under, and that it does that to us, pits us against each other. But I, I was thirsty for companionship. After years of isolation, it felt good that people were coming to me, looking to me to ask something, to try and say something with me to bring me along, and so I responded as they expected. I began to tell them exactly what they wanted to hear. I complained about Moses and about God and started to say even that maybe we were better off when we were slaves. And in the way of these things, one led to another. What started as just a small group of people, a small group of naysayers grew and grew and grew until night after night I had collected this crowd of people who were all there to listen to me complain. Sometimes I say that as we journeyed by stages out of the literal wilderness of sin, I journeyed by stages into my own figurative one. And if you've ever traveled that route, you know the inward journey is sometimes more treacherous than any outward one. It was so intoxicating. People were listening to me, me, whom they had shunned for years, me who nobody cared for, me who no one even spoke to. Suddenly, they were listening to me. I was treated like one of the elders. I was one of the elders of Israel. They were listening to what I had to say, and it didn't take long before I began to believe my own lies. And then came Rephidim. Almost as soon as we arrived, before we, truth be told, even had a chance to check, I began to complain that there wasn't water. I didn't look. 
I didn't want it to get in the way of what I was going to say, and so I began to complain to everybody. There wasn't enough water for us to drink. We didn't have anything to drink. There wasn't enough water, and people picked it up right away. Only I could tell right away that there was more viscera there. There was more in that moment than had been there before. It was more loaded, somehow more tense. People started by simply saying, give us water to drink. But the moment Moses came right around that corner, something changed, shifted. It's like they channeled all of that anger and frustration and worry over the last couple of months into that one moment, and they lashed out at Moses. Why did you bring us out here just to kill us and our children and our livestock out of thirst? I noticed it right away. I understood it right away. It's the same thing I had said the night before, but I never thought they would repeat it, especially to Moses himself. But repeat it, they did over and over and over again as the crowd surged forward. They began to lean down and pick up stones ready to throw them at Moses. And I saw that look in Moses' eyes as he closed his eyes and began to pray to God. And then when he opened his eyes again, he stared right at me. I was like that mortar my family had worked on for so long, stuck between two hard places. He stared for the second time in his life right at me. And I recognized the look on his face. A look of weariness. the look of pain. The look of fear. It's the same look I had had on my face my whole life. And suddenly I understood. There wasn't actually anything special about Moses. He was just a man trying to make the best next choice he could. He was trying desperately to be faithful to what God was calling him to do, only he didn't quite know what to do and he couldn't do it alone. And in that moment, I recognized I too had a choice. That there was so much about my life I didn't have a choice about. I was, it wasn't my choice to be a slave. It wasn't my choice that my brother was killed, but this was my choice here. I couldn't save my brother, but maybe I could save Moses. And so, Somehow, I made the first right decision of my life. I pulled together whatever privilege and power and authority the people had granted me, all wrapped up into a ball in myself, and I held up my hands to stop the crowd. And miraculously, they did. To this day, I don't know what actually stopped them, but when I held up my hands, whatever authority I had was used. Maybe they thought I was going to give a speech like I'd done the night before. But instead, I just looked to Moses, and as he turned to walk a few paces forward, I followed him. as he picked up his staff and he struck the rock and there was water 
enough for all. And for the first time in my life, I felt the presence of God. I finally understood what I had been missing my whole life. That God can't change the way that we harm one another. That God can't do anything about the way that we harm one another. That's a part of the freedom God gives us to live in this world. But what God can do is make sure none of us have to stand in that harm. None of us have to stand in that pain alone. That even on the worst day of our lives, when everyone else has abandoned us, God is still there. And take it from a mortar expert. When you finally experience that, It sticks. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Asbury First Weekly Sermon. If you enjoyed this message, please visit asburyfirst.org and learn more about our mission to love God and neighbor, live fully, serve all, repeat.